Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. show <laughs> and it is officially halloween horror month i'm so excited my name is jason robbins and i am a very nervous and afraid Derek diamond <laughs> uh we weren't gonna start it until next week but you know what i'm so ready for the halloween season i decided to go ahead and start it one day early here it's still technically september when we're recording this but when this drops for the regular public, it's going to be October anyway. So why not go ahead, get into the Halloween spirit, and let's start getting into some spooky stuff. Well, and the great thing, too, for those of us who live here in the South, it's actually starting to feel like fall a little bit. A little bit. It was nice today. It was like uh, roughly about 70 degrees, and uh, yeah, it was nice. I'm, I'm ready for this weather to stay here for a while. The cool thing is, like, it's actually getting cooler in the evenings because last night I sat out in my backyard, uh, put a light jacket on, and I actually played my Switch for, like, an hour outside. Oh, that's And nice. it was very pleasant. I love it. So, so uh, no, I'm, I'm excited for fall, excited for Halloween. You know, I'm just – I love this time of year because it's got three of my favorite holidays, like, in consecutive months. Uh-huh. And then it just feels so much better, like – this summer especially was brutal because you walk outside at like seven o'clock in the morning and you feel like you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm sure we're gonna. It's gonna be uh, hot again for a little while, but that's what we get for living in the South along the Gulf Coast. So, well, there's always that one last push of warm weather, and the same thing when you know spring ends and summer begins. There's like that little area where it's like, oh, we're just gonna get cooler for a couple of days, mm-hmm. and then boom, it's ninety. And got a lively little chat room going on tonight. Uh, welcome all you guys, uh, a lot of patrons here tonight. So uh, you're here for the very first game we've ever done, I think, for the TurboGrafx-16. Yep, I that is correct. Is. So, uh, But before we get to all that, is there anything you'd like to uh, talk about before we go into the news this evening? Uh, nothing really stands out. You know, it's been kind of a... Kind of a standard week. Just been working. Um, other than that, just I've been playing a lot of the the 3D Mario All Stars collection. I started with Mario 64, and now I've gone back to playing a bit of Sunshine. So oh, probably going to move on to Galaxy fairly soon. So other than that, just kind of hanging out and doing my thing. Yeah, I uh, finally finished Mad Max for the PS4 this last weekend. And I uh, didn't want to get anything else until I finally finished that damn game, which uh, I think my last uh, playtime was like two days, 
three hours or something like that. So over the last year, I've put a lot of time into that game. So I finally finished it, and now I got to figure out what I'm about to go to next. I want to make a, I want to, I want to get something on the Switch next, and I'm not sure what I'm going to get. I do want the the Mario All Stars. I do want to get that, but that might be a Christmas thing for me. I'm not sure yet. I still got to get Link's Awakening. I'm so far behind on everything. I would recommend Link's Awakening. Well, you get two weeks off for Christmas, so yes. that might be a good time to play Link's Awakening. I think so. I think I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm not sure. I don't know. I got like 30 bucks in in my uh, Switch account to to play with, so I'll figure something out. You got options. Awesome. Um, well, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Let's do it. Oh, wrong one. <laughs> This came to us through our email from I am the Rampage uh, from IGN.com. PS5 will be backwards compatible with 99% of the thousands of PS4 games Sony has tested. Uh, Sony Interactive CEO and President Jim Ryan has stated that 99% of the thousands of PlayStation 4 games it's tested will be playable uh, via backwards compatibility. Ryan also discussed Sony's new PS Plus collection which will offer 18 PS4 first-party titles for download to subscribers to the PlayStation Online service. Uh, he expects up to four years for the PlayStation 4's expected lifespan. Um, the PS4 community will continue to be incredibly important to us for three or four years. Many will transition to PS5. We hope if we do our job well, uh, tens of millions will still be engaged with the PS4. And that's probably going to be... Um, probably going to be me because i'm not really tempted to go get a ps5 right away this isn't very surprising because you look at the history of sony look at the lifespan of the ps2 yeah i'm surprised they're still not making games for it i know they well they just stopped making games for it they just stopped producing them what like 2014 or something Something like like that. that and man that was a long lifespan on that thing um, but yeah, that, there's really not, I mean, with Spider-Man available on PS4, uh, the new Miles Morales Spider-Man game, I just, there's not a lot bringing me to the new generation of consoles. I mean, the Xbox Series X is very tempting because of the Xbox Game Pass, because you get that thing home and with the Game Pass, you instantly have a library of hundreds of games. So that, honestly, that's a little bit more of a better deal to me right now. But honestly, I'm still not in any hurry. I never get a console at launch. Uh, the last time I did, uh, I got red ringed twice before I moved, uh, got rid of it, moved up to a uh, 360 Slim, uh, Elite Slim. And uh, that one lasted me until I eventually moved on to the PS4. But, um, you know, I... Until there's something I have to play, I'm just not really that ready to jump. I mean, I'm perfectly happy with the PS4 and the backlog of games that are going to get cheaper now, you know, that I'll be able to play. And plus, the Switch still has a lot of life left in it, too. So, I'm, like I said, I'm not really ready to jump to new generation. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you are, and I know we talked a little bit about it last week. Like, if you... 
stuck a gun to my head and said, oh, you have to get one, I would get the Xbox because of the deal with the Game Pass. But from what I've read, there's not really anything coming out for either system that is like making me want to run out and pre-order one of these things. So like you, I'm perfectly happy with the PS4 because the Miles Morales game is coming out for that. Yeah. And I still, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm going to play the Switch still. So yeah. I, I'm not in a huge rush. Yeah, and Axeblade said that uh, today GameStop sent him a link to snag his pre-order of Xbox Series X. He was approved on the all-access until their website took a dump. Of course, within two minutes of him logging in to do the pre-order, it was again sold out. Good Lord. <laughs> the uh, I don't think they were prepared for the amount of pre-orders that they were going to get, honestly. I think... Um, I, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I just, like I said, I, I don't think they were ready for it. I really don't. Neither them nor Sony, Microsoft nor Sony were ready for the amount of pre-orders that, that they were going to get. I feel like they're never prepared. Like Nintendo's never prepared. Yeah, but I think this they, time might have been a little worse because of the, you know, the lockdown and everything, COVID going on, a lot of people still not in, not at work. With no end in sight, really. Winter is coming, and it's like, if you got the money, <laughs> might as well go ahead and get you know the new, new thing to play with while you're locked up in your house for the next foreseeable future. That's true, but who knows? Like I said, I'm, I'm not in any rush to get either system. Yeah, me neither. But I'm sure eventually I'll get one. Yeah, I figure I usually wait about six months to a year. To jump into the new generation. But our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Hamster announces more than 15 games for the Arcade Archive series on Switch. Hamster Corporation is arguably the biggest support of the Nintendo Switch outside of Nintendo itself. So far releasing hundreds of retro titles with additional modern enhan enhancements on the hybrid system. I love that name for a company, by the yeah. way, Hamster. <laughs> there is no sign of it stopping production of these releases either, with the Japanese publisher announcing another 18 games for its never-ending Arcade Archives line at this year's Tokyo Game Show. Here's what you can look forward to, and it lists all 18 games, but some of the... the probably the biggest one is uh, Gradius 3, mm -hmm. but there are also some other familiar names on the list, along with games like Versus Tetris, or versus tennis, not Tetris, the arcade version of the 1984 NES game. There's no exact release date for any of these titles just yet, so be sure to keep an eye out for them in the near future. Uh, does anything on this list, you know, catch your eye? Like, is there something on here that you know, you have to get when it comes out? <laughs> not really. The only ones that I really see are Gradius 3 and uh, Green Beret, which was actually changed to Russian Attack for the NES. Uh, I still have my copy of Russian Attack, so those are really the only two that really jump out at me. But because a lot of these I've really never heard of, like Liquid Kids, <laughs> like what is that? Um, soccer, um, Swimmer, Cosmo Police Galavan, like I, some of these I've never even heard of. Arabian, like what are these? If it's an Aladdin-type game, that'd be kind of cool. I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if I'm looking at it, because like you, I haven't heard uh, really of any of these games, 
just based off a title alone, 64th Street, a detective story sounds kind of intriguing. Yeah, that one sounds intriguing. Some of these are just like Rodland. The hell does that mean? <laughs> Doesn't tell me anything about the game. Oh yeah, Rampage just put in the chat room that he's still waiting for Capcom to do a beat 'em up bundle two with Aliens versus Predator. Oh, I'd love to have that game drop. If that game drops on the Switch, holy crap, I would be so happy. I'm not saying I don't have a ROM of it or anything, but you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Axeblade says, Hamster is awesome. I typically buy them on PS4, though, just because the arcade games with two players, I can share, play with my brother, and play co-op over the internet. Understandable. No, I I get that. This next story sounds so cool that I I can't even believe it's true. Um, This is from NintendoLife.com. This NES-based take on Smash Bros, or Brothers, however you pronounce it, has a Wi-Fi chip in the cart for online play. Um, uh, Plenty of games attempt to take on the might of Super Smash Bros. over the years, but few have been as unique as Super Tilt Bro on the NES. Uh, First, it's an NES game. Second, the cartridge actually has a Wi-Fi chip inside, so you can play online with other people on your NES. Uh, the open source fighting title is still in development, and the card itself is in the prototype stage. Um, from what they've seen so far, is quite exciting from a technical perspective. Could other cart-based consoles see online play added via similar means? Um, this, and I, I'm wondering, how exactly does this work? I mean, of course it it hooks up to the Wi-Fi. Through, uh, you know, it's got the chip inside the card itself. So I imagine it it has some sort of, uh, I guess, like, um, does it hook up to some sort of server for this game in particular? And you kind of just have random matches with people? Or can you, like, have, you know, like a friends list where you can play your friends? Like, I'm, I'm not quite sure how this thing works. Yeah, it's interesting in the sense that it's through the cartridge and not the actual console. Yeah. Did you watch the trailer? No, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the trailer. I just saw this like right before we we started up today. It looks really cool. It's literally an eight bit version of Smash <laughs> Brothers, down to the mechanics and everything. Like I I would love to play this, but I'm very interested. One, how the whole online play works with just having a Wi-Fi chip in the cartridge Mm -hmm. and two, and I don't want to say this as a way of knocking, you know, whoever made this game, but are there going to be a ton of people who play it and enough to where you could actually play it online? I mean, I hope so because I think seeing more games like this would actually be kind of cool. And who knows, maybe they'll do it eventually for the super Nintendo. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet because if they could do that and they can put Wi-Fi chips in the actual carts themselves, holy crap, we're talking about a whole new ball game at that point. That is what we would like to call a game changer. Yes, definitely. But I, I think this is a really cool story. Anybody who hasn't watched the trailer, you can go to the article. There's a trailer attached to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely go. It's only like a 30-second trailer. So 
And you can go to the uh, the guy's um, Twitter too. It's at Roger Biden, B I D O N, yep. Roger Biden, and he's got uh, right there on his Twitter page. So I'm I'm definitely interested to see how this works, for sure. But our last story comes to us from PCMag.com. Sega teases a new Virtua Fighter game. Just like Street Fighter, Virtua Fighter remains a popular series of fighting games for many, admittedly probably older, gamers. So news of a new entry in the series is sure to spark a lot of interest. As Eurogamer reports, Sega announced a new Virtua Fighter project at the end of the company's Tokyo Game Show livestream. Very little is known about the project, but the game's name clearly shows where Sega's focus is. The new game is called Virtua Fighter X Esports. And there's also a trailer attached to this as well. That's not to say this will be a Virtua Fighter title purely for esports professionals, but it's unclear if Sega is developing a brand new entry in the series or simply updating an old one so as to be used on modern hardware and in competitive environments. The only hint of what's to come is in the tweeted teaser video that you see in the article. I haven't heard the name Virtua Fighter in a long I time. I haven't either. That's why <clears throat> this article caught my eye because I used to play... Virtua Fighter back in the day. That was a that was a um, arcade mainstay in the '90s playing Virtua Fighter, and um, I would be interested to see if if you know they come out with. Uh, I would love to see them like bring back some of the original Virtua Fighters, like for the Switch. That, I think that would be pretty cool, like an up, you know, upresed like kind of a remastered version of it. Yeah, no, for sure. It's just, it's surprising to me that out of all the titles that Sega would bring back, it would be Virtua Fighter. Yeah. Because it says here it's been around for 27 years, first appearing in arcades back in 1993, yeah. using the Sega Model 1 arcade platform and developed by Sega's AM2 division. I mean, it's been released on you know home consoles as well. But the last title was Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown, which was in arcades in 2010 before being ported to the PS3 and Xbox 360 in 2012. So it's been a bit since Virtua Fighter's been relevant. Yeah. I remember Virtua Fighter, Fighter was a pretty big deal in the arcades. Like, I was still in high school when this thing came out. And I uh, used to go to Aladdin's Castle in the, in the mall, and uh, they had Virtua Fighter right up there in the front. As soon as you walked in, there was a big Virtua Fighter machine. I never played Virtua Fighter, but I remember reading about it in the magazines, you know, way back in the day. Yeah. It's pretty cool, though. All right. Well, now we are out of the news, and now I actually play this for real this time. We are going into this month in video game history. On October 18th of 1985, the NES home video game console, the export version of the Famicom, is launched for a limited test market in the United States, along with Rob, the robotic operating buddy peripheral. It's a shame it never worked out. Yeah. Hey, he's a Smash Brothers character now, so he lives on. Oh, I was talking about the NES. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't remember no, that console. It was one of those weird ones that nobody picked up. 
it ain't no Sega. Not, yeah. not a knock on Sega, but <laughs> no, I mean, it's around this time that, you know, a lot of very important gaming elements were released. And I mean, the NES is one of them. You know, I, I look at the NES and I also look at the original Donkey Kong as being two of the most important pieces of video game history. Because mm-hmm. what would the gaming world be like if not for Donkey Kong mm-hmm. or for the NES? Always makes me wonder, like, we talked about this before, but why did, was Donkey Kong not the uh, the main villain of Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, it is true. On the flip side of that, I would say if that happened, I don't think we ever would have gotten Donkey Kong Country. No, definitely not. But still, it's it's weird. Like they would, you know, because that's Mario's first villain was Don- and then yeah. Donkey Kong became a good guy. What is happening in the world? Dogs and cats living together, mass, mass hysteria. hysteria. <laughs> well, and it's also um, even Pauline, you know, who was the mm-hmm. damsel in distress. She was never seen again until Odyssey. Yeah, <laughs> almost what f- almost forty years before she popped up again. <laughs> and she aged very well. Yeah, she did. So give give her give her that. Now she's the mayor of a city. Staff Sergeant Sketch joins us finally. Says he still exists. Glad you do. Glad you could join us. Oh, Rampage says because Mario was the villain. Oh, you know, I never really thought about that. I know he was definitely the villain in Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah. Hmm. Should have been arrested for animal cruelty. Yeah. On October 11th, 1989, the Atari Corporation releases the Lynx handheld console with color and backlighting. You should go I want to play one of these eventually. You should go back and watch the original commercial for the Lynx. I think it's, uh, it's Tobey Maguire in the commercial. This must have been, you know, from his hit cameo in The Wizard. Yeah, it was it was right after that. <laughs> That's so ironic. Time. Yeah. There's, I don't know if it's still there because it's been months since I've been, but there's a, a retro game store here in town called the Video Game Trading Post, mm-hmm. and they actually have a Lynx. Because I've been considering getting it, just because I'm so curious about it, because it's a system that I know not a lot about, mm-hmm. never played it before, and it would be good content for the show. Yeah, but, you know, battery life only lasts like 20 minutes. <laughs> We didn't have I'm good... hoping there's an AC adapter like there was for the Game Gear. I don't know if there was. Maybe there was. Because with the Game Gear, I remember pretty much just plugging it into the wall and playing it there, which completely defeats the purpose yeah. of a handheld console. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on, this, on October 14th of that same year, 1989, the Mega Drive is released in North America as the Sega Genesis. And had... During its entire lifespan, nothing to do with Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> which was a shame. Uh, X-Blade said it did have an AC adapter. Hopefully the one that... I mean, if Trading Post still has it. Yeah, I don't think there's a, there, there's too many people out there clamoring for an Atari Lynx <laughs> <laughs> these days. As I go to get it, just catch an elbow to the face. Mine! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, October 10th of 1994, ID Software releases Doom 2, and Dave D. Taylor creates a Linux port of the original Doom, becoming the first major game for the new operating system. Have you been listening to uh, Codex, a retro gaming podcast called Codex? 
they've mm-hmm. been doing a retrospective. Uh, there's a book that came out called uh, it's, it's called uh, Masters of Doom or something like that, and it's all about um, id Software and them how they got together, how they formed, how they made Doom, um, and then just like the whole thing, and they kind of break it down chapter by chapter in Codex, and it's really good. So I re- I really recommend that podcast. What's it called again? Uh, I think it's called Masters of Doom. Masters of Doom. Yeah, I think the book is called Masters of Doom. I will make a note of that and listen to it. Right. Uh, well, the the podcast is called Codex, is what the Codex. Uh, but, yeah, and they okay. and they're and they've been around for a while. I think they're around a hundred episodes or so. But they've been doing the last month or so, a month and a half. Um, they've been doing, uh, they go there each episode. They've been going chapter by chapter in uh, the masters of doom. And, uh, rampage says, yes, it is masters of doom is the name of the book. So if you're in, if you want a good, uh, audio book or something to listen to, go check out masters of doom. You can probably find it on, um, what's it called? Audible. Yeah. Audible. Audible. Yep. They don't endorse We They don't, uh, that's just a free endorsement for <laughs> audible. <Yep. laughs> Uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, October 1st of 1995, Square releases Secret of Evermore for the SNES. Uh, one of your favorite games, if I'm not mistaken. One of the more underrated RPGs for the Super Nintendo. I I feel like this is one that kind of got lost in the shuffle because you had so many good ones Mm -hmm. around that era. And I felt like it, uh, got unfair comparisons to Secret of Mana. Mm Mm-hmm. The gameplay is similar, but it's a little bit darker in tone. And I feel like Secret of Evermore made it almost sound like it was a spinoff. See, I thought they were they were not quite. I thought maybe they were either sequel. One was a sequel to the other, or they were you know part of the same same uh, story or whatever. Looking back on it, I think they should have just called the game Evermore. Yeah. Plus, I thought it would have been a cooler title. Yeah. But it's a good game. It's one of the earlier games that I reviewed on the show, so it's it's definitely worth checking out. If you're a fan of RPGs from that era, it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, you can't go wrong with RPGs on the Super Nintendo. No, you cannot. On October 31st of 1997, Naughty Dog releases Crash Bandicoot 2 Cortex Strikes Back for the PlayStation, the very first PlayStation game I ever played. Wow. I uh, I remember playing this at my uncle's house. Um, it was after... I can't remember which storm came first, Hurricane Aaron or Opal. I want to say it was Opal. And I was at my uncle's house because he had power and I did not. And um, I remember playing this game, and I was, I want to say I was hooked, because I, I like the Crash Bandicoot games. I'm not, like, as big a fan as I am of, like, you know, Sonic or Zelda or Mario, but I it's still to this day my favorite Crash Bandicoot game. Yeah, it's crazy to see they started out, uh, you know, making Crash Bandicoot games, and nowadays they're making uh, uh, the Uncharted series. It's crazy the metamorphosis that Naughty Dog has had. Mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to them for essentially reinventing themselves. Oh, yeah. Which, if I remember right, the new Crash comes out fairly soon. I don't know if it's coming out for the Switch, but... I don't know. I remember us talking about it not too long ago. I don't remember when it said the uh, release date was. It's early October, I know that. I'll look it up real quick. Okay. 
uh, October 21st of 1998, Nintendo's Game Boy Color handheld console is released in Japan. I never got any of the Game Boys past the original. Oh, I love the Game Boy Color. It I was... see them all the time at uh, you know, like flea markets and stuff. Uh, I should just get one. Whenever they were released, you could get them in two different colors. You had the solid blue one, and then you had the the transparent one. I always see the transparent ones. Anytime I see one, it's the transparent one. I had the other one, but uh, it was cool because there were some games that it was almost like they were enhanced. Why did everything like in the put... 90s have to be transparent? Transparent phones, transparent uh, Game Boy, transparent everything. There were a lot of phases in the 90s. It was like, you know, anything that was extreme had to have an X. Like oh, the yeah. X had to be, like, really prevalent. <laughs> yep. So, ah, the yeah, 90s. It was, uh, that was a fun time. You were so quaint. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, actually, Crash Bandicoot 4 comes out October 2nd. Uh, whoa, that's Friday. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Ran, Holy crap. Um, Mixmaster even said it comes out Friday. Okay. Yeah, I'm not seeing what it's available for. Uh, Let's see, digital. uh, Right now, just PS4 and Xbox One. It's got to come out for the Switch at some point, so I will likely wait for that. I'm still waiting on Retromania Wrestling to come out, man. I thought that thing was was supposed supposed to to be out out like like July. Yeah, it was supposed to be out like months ago. (sighs) Damn it. (laughs) Yeah. But to close us out for this month in video game history, on October 26th of 2000, Sony's PlayStation 2 launches in North America. And if that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what will. Yeah. We are approaching the 20-year anniversary of the PlayStation 2. Yeah, I was, uh, me and uh, my buddy Phil had just gotten an apartment together. In 2000, and uh, I had a GameCube, and he had an original PlayStation, and then he went and got the PlayStation 2 uh, as soon as it landed. Um, We had a Toys R Us right around the corner from the apartment, and he came home that night, and we played all kinds. He he ended up buying like three or four games with it, uh, some of the launch titles, and we just stayed up all night playing PlayStation 2. Of course, we didn't have a, a... a memory card, so we didn't get to save anything. Stupid Sony and their damn memory cards. Also one of the greatest DVD players of all time. Yeah, that was actually the first... Uh, uh, remember, I still remember the very first DVD I ever um, I ever rented. I rented uh, Charlie's Angels. And, nice. And watched it on the PlayStation 2. I was like, the picture doesn't get any better than this. It's so much better than VHS. <laughs> yeah, my first DVD I ever got was The Mask with Jim really? Carrey. I can't remember mm-hmm. the first DVD I ever bought, though. Do you remember the old, like, awful cases they used yeah, to have? It was like, like the, the cardboard, cardboard front with the little, like, plastic latch. flap yeah. on the side. <laughs> I still have a and bunch if, of those. And if you broke that thing, you were screwed. Yeah. Oh, and then, like, the little uh, teeth that would hold the DVD in, all those yep. things was would break after you'd, you know, you, you, the first time you try to take the DVD out, it was so tight that they would break those little teeth off, and then you just, like, your just DVD would just flop around in there from 
then till now. <laughs> I think I still have that DVD with that crappy box at my parents' house still. Yeah. I, st- I have to go I, look and see. I'm trying to remember. I cannot remember the first DVD I ever bought. Ah, Rampage, uh, Rampage says, says was... my first DVD was Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser. I literally just saw that for the first time, like two days ago. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Let's see. Second was IQ with Walter <laughs> Matthau. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. Has anybody now, when watched I think of Walter Matthau, I think of Dennis the Menace. Has anybody watched IQ in the last 20 years? It's one of those movies where you're like, did that actually exist? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but before we go into the uh, the review for tonight, as always, Derek likes to do some shout-outs. Absolutely. We want to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armez Jackson, Xblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. The Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, and the great Tyler Watson. Thank you guys so much for your contributions and because you keep us at the $50 level, we're going to keep doing those fun commentary tracks. We just did mortal Kombat, One of my favorite commentary tracks that we've done. Like it was so much fun going back and watching that movie. That was like, I had fun doing street fighter, but Holy crap. Mortal Kombat was so much. It was just still such a good movie. Like it's fun to watch and it's more, it's even more fun to watch it with your friends and just, make jokes because it's such a it's like almost like a perfect movie to watch with your friends because with this movie you have to look at it for what it is like it's not a cinematic masterpiece yeah but when it comes to just pure fun for an hour and a half it doesn't get much better than mortal kombat it was exactly it came out to be exactly what it was trying to be and in doing so it just exceeded it itself. Like the the cinematography's good, the writing was. Eh, it's you know you got four major points of exposition dump throughout the movie, but around those exposition dumps are really good action <laughs> and the the effects. Some of the effects are, are a little dated, but for the most part, the the movie still holds up pretty well incredible soundtrack yes oh my god i mean just as soon as you start up the movie like the second you start it you're getting screamed at mortal combat and i'm like oh yeah we're in for a good time now <laughs> absolutely and if you guys want to be a part of our awesome patreon you can head over to patreon.com slash retro and tonight we're talking about <laughs> Splatterhouse. Yes, it's time for Halloween Horror Month, and we're starting out with Splatterhouse. Oh, and Axeblade said, uh, my impression of Christopher Lambert was excellent. He laughed his ass off. (laughs) 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 
But why was he? Why was he cast as Raiden? Like, don't get me wrong. I love Christopher Lambert, but he had no business being in that movie as Raiden. I, it, <clears throat> but it it was perfect. It was a little bit of an odd choice, but yeah, it was weird. It was weird because it worked out, and, and I don't know. I just I loved it. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of Axe Blade, he sent us the uh, the Turbo sixteen mini uh, last week or week before. And um, thank you very much for that. And he gave us the gift of future content. And one of the first games I wanted to play, first games I did play on this uh, TurboGrafx-16 Mini was Splatterhouse. And Splatterhouse is a beat-em-up arcade game developed and published by Namco. It is also subsequently the title of a series of games released in home console and personal computer formats. It was heavily influenced by American slasher films and the works of horror uh, writer H.P. Lovecraft and is a homage to the violent horror films of the 80s. Um, due to its violent nature as well as some questionable enemies, the TG-16 port of Splatterhouse had a parental <clears throat> parental advisory warning printed on the front of the box that read, the horrifying theme of this game uh, may be inappropriate for young children and cowards. <laughs> and I always remember that because... Um, I never had a TurboGrafx-16. I didn't know anybody that had one. So I used to go... Me and my buddy Lance, back in high school, used to go... He he had a car. I didn't. So on Fridays and Saturday nights, we would go hang out at uh, Toys R Us. And they used to have a pretty huge uh, gaming section in the Toys R Us that was near us. And they always had... You know, demo consoles set up of TurboGrafx-16, Sega Genesis, Super Nintendo, Nintendo, uh, they had an Atari Lynx, the Game Gear, pretty much everything you could think of. Any console or handheld at the time had a demo console at, at the Toys R Us. So I used to go and play the TurboGrafx-16 all the time, and I always wanted one, but could never really justify getting one, because it was cheaper than the uh, Sega Genesis. It was a little more expensive than the Nintendo. I think Nintendo's ran like, what, like 80 bucks or 100 bucks or at, at that time. I think the TurboGrafx-16 was like 140, 149. I think the Sega Genesis was around 180 or something like that. Um, and I, I, I really don't think the TurboGrafx-16 was true 16-bit. I think it was still like an 8-bit system, but it had a faster chip in it or something like that. So you could get more colors on the screen, and it just looked better than the Nintendo. Um, but I remember at the time seeing the uh, the advertisements for Splatterhouse, especially in... Um, uh, you have a friend named Bill as well, or just Lance? No, just Lance. <laughs> Never knew any Bills when I was growing up. Uh, Axeblade asked that in the chat room. Um, but yeah, I used to see the advertisements for Splatterhouse all the time and comic books and, you know, the gaming periodicals at the time, like Electronic Gaming Monthly. And it was cool because it was always like a two-page ad <coughs> for Splatterhouse. And it was um, kind of a, um, like a, almost like a comic book story. Like it was drawn like a comic book, and it kind of told you the story of the game, you know, the 
the main character, Rick, and his girlfriend, um, Rick Taylor and Jennifer Willis, uh, they take ret- refuge from a storm in West Mansion, a local landmark known as Splatterhouse, for the rumors of hideous experiments purportedly conducted there by Dr. West, a renowned and missing parapsychologist. As they enter the mansion and the door shuts behind them, Jennifer screams. Rick awakens in a dungeon under the mansion, having been resurrected uh, thanks to the influence of the Terror Mask, or in some versions, the Hell Mask, a Mayan sacrificial artifact from West's house which is capable of sentient thought. The mask attaches itself to Rick, fusing with his body and transforming him into a monster with superhuman strength. With the mask's encouragement, Rick goes on a rampage through the dungeon and the mansion grounds, killing hordes of monsters. Um, that was kind of the plot of the, you know, the short little advertisement for Splatterhouse. He would, you know, he woke up with the mask on and he's just like wreaking havoc on all these monsters and stuff. And it was one of those games that, um, (coughs) at the time was one of those games that parents kind of had an uproar about because this was around the time that, you know, the congressional hearings were getting heated up because of violent video games and this was definitely one of those games on that list because going back and looking at it now, um, I got through most of the game. I got I got to the end, but I, I couldn't. Uh, I got to the part where you have to where Jennifer, his girlfriend, uh, he goes to rescue her, and she turns into a a weird looking you know HP Lovecraft style demon. And um, I defeated her and then went to the next part, which looked like, you know, some of the level. Like, I just got to say, this game is freaking weird. Like, the level design and the characters that you're going up against. Like like it says, it's like it's inspired by you know, H.P. Lovecraft and just like the weird non-humanoid, like demon type characters. And some of the, the you know, the bosses are like... This is almost like a like 16-bit Silent Hill, almost. And it's got a definite feel to it. Like I, For some reason, when I was playing it, I kind of definitely got a... Um, almost like a Maniac Mansion vibe out of it. And, um, you know, it's... Controls are a little stiff. Like, it's very arcade-y. Um, the controls are a little stiff. But you kind of get used to it after a while. One of the things that I, I really like about the TurboGrafx-16 is they do have the... Um, it has the turbo switches on the controller itself. So you can turn on turbo, and you can just hit the button and hold it, and he'll, you know, it's basically works like, you know, turbo on, you know, the NES Advantage or the NES Max, some, stuff like that. And you can, it has three different settings on it, which is cool. Um but yeah, it's definitely it's one of those games that starts out kind of like Ninja Gaiden. It starts out pretty easy. You're going through and it, you get to like level three and it starts to ramp up and it gets pretty pretty tough the uh, further you get into the game. Yeah, and looking at some of the screenshots, you can even see the influence of some movies as well because you look at the main character and you instantly think of Jason from yeah. Friday the 13th. So well, I think in the original arcade version, he was like, uh, yeah, this picture here is the arcade version screenshot and he is wearing a hockey mask. And, um, 
he, they there's also it. another screen cap of the PC version. Okay. Where yeah. it looks very similar. It's yeah. a little bit farther down on the page. He's got the uh, hockey mask on, but the TurboGrafx-16 is basically... Um, it looks almost the same, but it, it's colored maroon. So I guess because they didn't want, you know, the Friday the 13th people to come after them. Because it does look like you're uh, you're playing Jason Voorhees uh, throughout this game, which I like that aspect of it. Um, but like you, you know, you look at this screenshot here and you've got your, your, this is the first boss of the game and he's in level three, I think. And, you know, he's got, like, a bag over his head. He's got, like, raw meat arms and, and uh, um, like, uh, chainsaw blades for hands. It's, like, so... Some of the creature designs are just horrific, like, nightmare-inducing in this, in this game. Yeah, the thing that keeps going, I keep going back to, you know, hearing you talk about this game is I, I could see this as like a, I don't want to say more comedic, but I could see this taking this and essentially making it like a horror film. I think, yeah, I mean, you definitely could, um, I, you know, this would be right up like Bloomhouse's alley to yeah. do something like this, but you would definitely have to keep that. HP Lovecraft vibe to it and you know have like weird creatures and weird subterranean uh you know places he's got to go through and cuz you go through these gross like we had this thing and we touched on this a little while ago um there was a period from about 85 86 to 94, 95, where as kids we were obsessed with things just being gross and weird. You know, we were obsessed with sliming our action, our, our, our action figures, and we had toys like Mad Balls, and um, I don't know if you remember a toy line called the Centurions, where you had like this big <coughs> Lovecraft-type creature. I remember seeing it in the Sears catalog, and he had like you could see his insides and he had like uh you know you could see his rib bones and stuff and you could open up the rib bones and like you know just the toys that we had and the the movies and the TV shows were just kind of gross and weird and like the weirder the better and this definitely this game fits right into that weird slot where it doesn't it's pretty original like I haven't seen any game with these weird type of enemies until you know games like Silent Hill because you don't fight really any humans or anything and it's just it's kind of gross and some of the level design and like looks like piles of guts and you know <laughs> uh meat <laughs> and just almost like a like an old tool video or something, you know? Like, it's kind of hard to describe. Rampage says he had the creepy crawler gummy candy making set. Yes, I remember that. Do you remember... Um, there were these toy sets that that reminded me of. It's uh, like Mad Scientist toy sets where you could... Uh, you had, like, a skull and you could, like, form... 
um, uh, like had like almost like Play-Doh or something where you like make monsters and like, I don't know, it was all kind of play sets where you can make gross stuff to eat <laughs> back then. Did it have like a stencil that you could put the putty in and I you like close so. it and then it's whatever the shape of the stencil was? Yeah, like I'm having like vague memories of something I haven't thought about in 30 years. But I just rem- I'm starting to remember all the weird stuff. I remember seeing stuff like that in the store. I, when I was a kid, I was more of a action figure and Lego yeah. type of kid. But I, I want to say I remember seeing that type of stuff or stuff similar to that uh, on the shelves. I remember there was this one kid I bought, too, uh, uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I can't remember what they were called, but they were these weird-looking plastic things and they they looked gross and it, it, you squeezed it and like this horrible smell would come out of it. And I remember I got one for like a buck at like TGNY or something and I had it in the car driving home and then a guy was supposed to, his name was like Vinny Vomit or something like that and I squeezed him in the car and it smelled so bad it made my mom almost vomit. And she, like, rolled the windows down and made me throw it out the window. <laughs> I was so sad. Um, if anybody remembers what I'm talking about, that I that we had so much gross stuff as kids. But back, but back to the game. Um, yeah, you're not going to play anything that looks like this from that time. It, it I remember, you know, the only other game I can remember that has, like, weird environments is uh, Life Force. Did you ever play that for the NES? It was, uh, I think, it was, uh, was it part of the Gradius series? I think it, I think it was, that was Gradius 3 on the Nintendo, I think. Because it was called I No, I don't recall playing it, no. Yeah, it was called Life Force, and it, it was uh, it was like Gradius, but it had weird... Like, you were traveling inside of a huge... Uh, yeah, Axeblade said it was part of the Gradius series. You're, like, inside a huge, like, space worm or something like that. Yeah, Garbage Pail Kids. I can't believe I forgot Garbage Pail Kids. That, that was another thing that was gross. Did you ever see that Garbage Pail Kids movie back in the day? Mm-mm. Oh, dude, we might have to cut, watch that for commentary. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing: like, I don't see it being any worse than Double Dragon. No, I think so. It, it's like it's on that level, though. It's pretty bad. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. Hmm. Let's do it. But I. There's not really much else I can say. I mean, if you like horror games, this is definitely uh, worth playing. I don't know if it's if it's worth buying a TurboGrafx-16 Mini for, but there there's plenty of other stuff. One thing I like about the uh, TG-16 Mini is uh, it's it's got like uh, 20-something or so games uh, for the TurboGrafx-16, and then it also has a lot of games from, uh, you can switch it to where it's the, uh, oh crap, what do they call the PC Engine in Japan, so there's a lot of PC Engine games on there too, so it's got a lot of, of stuff on there, um, so I, I would say it's, it's worth it, I would, I don't know how much the, uh, the TurboGrafx-16 is going for, but I would definitely wait for a price drop and, uh, pick it up. But I yeah. really, 
I highly enjoy the. I mean, the game was is it's nothing special. I mean, it's your straight up beat 'em up, but just the weirdness of the game, like it's so completely weird. It's all I can say about it. It's just it's strange and weird, and it's all it's like playing Friday the Thirteenth. Jason goes to hell and fights demons. This pretty much is what this game is like. Well, it looked like it got some some mixed reviews. Uh, Metacritic gave it a forty nine out of a hundred. I don't know why you wouldn't just round that up to a fifty. Yeah, but that was uh, the the iOS version. Uh, All game gave it uh, four out of five stars. Gamespot gave it a four point seven out of ten because it was also released for the uh, Wii's Virtual Console because that was actually yes. my introduction to the Turbo Graphics sixteen. Because I saw it as an option, and I'm like, what is this? And then I you know, read what it was, and I was like, oh, I had no idea this even existed. Yeah, uh, it, actually, it is uh, It is part of the Namco Museum compilation for the Nintendo Switch. Oh. So you can you play it on the Nintendo Switch. I did not know that. Nice. I did have Very a couple cool. of sequels, too. Um, how many sequels did this thing have? I know it got ported a lot. Um, yeah. doesn't say... I can't find anything about the sequel. I know they made like three or four sequels to this game. But I really like the music for the game, too. It definitely kind of fit and gave it that weird, eerie feeling. And that was one of the good things that this game did. Like I said, it had it gave me a real Maniac Mansion vibe. And it really... Just the environment of... The mansion plus the the weirdness of it and the music really all fit together to to kind of bring you into an immersive experience because it's just so, there's it's like I just kind of constantly wanted to like pause it just to look at the character designs in the game because it's you know you don't see weird stuff like this in any of the other games. Yeah. It looks interesting though. Like I'd be interested in trying it out. So whenever, whenever you pass off the the Turbo Graphics Mini to me, I'm definitely gonna try it out. Yeah, and you get certain weapons throughout the game. You get like uh, a lot of times you get a two by four to swing. Um, you get a, a golden meat cleaver. Um, there's a shotgun in the game, which I do highly recommend. Uh, when you find the shotgun and uh, level three at the beginning of level three, hold on to it as best as you can <laughs> till you get to the end boss because there's another uh, shotgun there and it takes a lot of shots to bring that dude down. And he's the one that's in the, the picture here with the chainsaw hands and the bags over his head. Oh, uh, I see it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I it's not a great game, it's good. And it's definitely worth playing for Halloween. And it's not a real long game either. I think it's like seven or eight levels. And that goes by pretty quick. Um, I would give it... Uh, it's pretty average, so I would probably just give it a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10. I think that's fair. Yeah. I just really like the this. The whole aesthetic of the game. I wish... It it was there was a little more. I don't know, it it felt 
like I just didn't like the controls of the game. It felt too stiff to me, and I just wish there was a little. It was a little more um, faster paced, almost like a Final Fight. If it was more like Final Fight, I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. No, that makes sense. Uh, Rampage says in the chat that I do not need to watch the Garbage Pail Kids movie. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I may not have a choice. Uh, man, I'm trying to get him to watch a bad movie. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, actually, my cat, um, Rampage, was asking me if Bubby's showing any improvement. Uh, yesterday, my, my cat, Bubby, got diagnosed with uh, pancreatitis. And uh, had inflamed um, intestines and liver. So I've got to give him a crap ton of meds over the next few weeks. And I'll keep everybody updated on how he's doing. But he seems to be pretty good today. He's uh, he's up and active and doesn't act like he's in pain anymore. So hopefully that whatever super shot they gave him yesterday helped kind of kickstart him into uh recovery and uh all the medicine i give him is gonna start working soon because uh he's my boy and i can't can't do without him uh, fingers crossed that he'll be okay for sure yeah uh axblade said he thinks you would like uh i think it's pronounced ease or wise one and two on the mini uh those are some pretty good rpgs i, I saw a, a lot about those back in the day a lot of advertisement for those and I never knew if it was pronounced ease or wise. It's like Y apostrophe S. No, I'll definitely check them out whenever I get the oh, it's ease. Yeah, ease. Yeah, even actually said ease. ease. <laughs> That's what I figured. Um, but there's a lot of stuff on the uh, TG16 Mini. Um, I think the next thing I'm going to review is probably Rondo of Blood because they have the Japanese PC Engine version on there. I started playing a good bit of it. And uh, you know me, I love my Castlevania, so I, I think that's going to be my next review. What are you reviewing next week? So this is a game that I didn't even know existed, because you, you and I were talking earlier today, and I was like, I have no clue what I'm going to review next week. So I literally Googled best horror games for the Super Nintendo, and the first one that came up was Zombies Ate My Neighbors, which yes. I've reviewed in the past. Love that game. But there was, there was a sequel to it that I did not know even existed called Ghoul Patrol. So I had no idea. I, that, that's what I will be reviewing next week. I had no idea till you told me that today. And I love Zombies Ate My Neighbors. That's one of my favorite Super Nintendo games. That game was yeah. so crazy good. Mm -hmm. And if you've never played Zombies Ate My Neighbors, do yourself a favor and play that game. It's so weird and good. It's like playing a, a 50s B-movie. It really is. So I'll be reviewing uh, Ghoul Patrol on the show next week. Awesome. Uh, is there anything else you would like to throw out there before we leave this evening? So I'm going to be kicking it off uh, a week late, mm. but I'm also doing Halloween Horror Month on the Derek Diamond Experience, and it's going to be kicked off actually this upcoming Monday because I'll be doing a special live show my top five horror films yes. uh, that I'll be doing on Facebook Live Monday night at 9 p.m. Central Time. Because something I forgot to mention at the top of the show. So years ago, and we're talking like 10 plus years, 
I started taking Taekwondo classes, mm-hmm. but I never finished. So I decided to go back and get my black belt in it. That's awesome. So I, I started this past Monday, and I am sore <laughs> as a mother trucker. I'm sure. It hurt to cough this morning. <laughs> uh, well, you'll be you'll get back into it in no time. Yeah, and some of it was coming back to me whenever, um, you know, I did class on Monday. So I'm probably going to be doing classes um, Mondays and Thursdays for okay. right now. And, you know, they do classes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So might have to mix a couple of those in or whatever. But it, it was it felt good to to be back. So, yeah, um, got got that going on. But, um, yeah, I'll be doing um, so I'll be getting back home just in time to do the show on Monday. So if you want to leave your list of top five horror films, just go over to Facebook.com slash D Diamond Podcast. You can also uh you know, leave it on Twitter or heck even Instagram as well. So um, I'll be doing that this Monday night. Uh, later in the month of October, we'll be doing a roundtable discussion on the Evil Dead franchise and a couple of other horror themed shows that I'm still figuring out. So got all that going on. But of course, you know, new episodes come out every Thursday on all podcasting platforms. And you can follow me on social media at D Diamond Podcast. Um, I, uh, yes. Mixmaster, I will be streaming this weekend because I am going to be a part of the October RGB High Score Tournament. We're going to be doing Castlevania for October, and uh, I will be streaming the next couple of weeks trying to uh, get my time to be somewhat decent so I can at least finish the game within a two-hour period. So we'll, that will that remains to be seen. Uh, Rampage says Twilight is the number one yeah. vampire horror movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Mixmaster asks if I'm on Twitch for my show. You said the new OBS can stream to all platforms, right? Yes. Yeah, the uh, Streamlabs OBS. I will finally download that this weekend. I, I do have a um, Twitch channel. It hasn't been active in a bit because I haven't been able to stream anything, but I'll um, I'll... I'll download the the Streamlabs version this weekend and get that set up because I've been wanting to because I've been trying to kind of phase out Facebook mm-hmm. just because it's <laughs> not very fun to look at anymore. Yeah. So um, looking at you know, I'll still stream like live shows to Facebook and everything, but the primary version, I mean, I'd, I'd love to switch over to YouTube. Yeah, but that, that'll be something to to figure out. But yeah, I'll I'll stream the show on Twitch as well. Fantastic. Well, if that's it, we can go ahead and get out of here. First show of Halloween Horror Month in the bag. If you would like to email us, you can email us at NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. We are at NerdCaveRetro.com, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro and individually at JFunktastic and at Derek underscore Diamond. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Also, we are on Patreon at Patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro where you can throw us a couple of bucks a month and keep us above that $50 level. And you can go listen to the uh, Mortal Commentary that we just dropped this last weekend. Um, but if you can't do that, can give us a couple bucks a month? We understand. Times are hard. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are sold. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. 
yours with a twirling lawnmower. <laughs> Monkey!